should write that like pronunciation bracket to like oh, you know, see? help people know yes. you. That's 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 <laughs> good of you. That's I would probably be all up in their grill. <laughs> well, I mean, Jamie Gleason, if they get it wrong, I mean, I'm I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, three, two, one. All right, Jamie, we're back. It's been another week or two uh, since we were together recording. Uh, what's shaking? What's shaking? Not, you know, not too much. I, oh, you know, uh, it's this constant roller coaster. I know, Mickey, you've got, you know, children and, and uh, my, uh, my kids are feeling like this kind of push pull between you know warm weather and you know what kind of remnants of winter so we have some cold weather coming in now also push pull when it comes to like covid in their you know in their school systems versus being at home and like this ping pong in and out of school so i personally you know i'm just you know digging digging into this like near may one uh time of year uh thinking about you know junior campaigns and uh sadly like the maybe what could have been for some for some students if they would have gotten uh out there earlier but um yeah i mean yeah. normal life i guess normal life here in uh here in southeastern pennsylvania how about you mickey what's going on with you uh i'm living around that may one uh period a little bit um yeah that deposit deadline and and seeing what's happening and figuring out you know i've got like a week and a half left with clients to uh, see what they can do to connect with some high school students. Um, and then we're ready to transition on what it means to recruit uh, for rolling admissions folks, what it means yeah. to prevent melt in the summer. Uh, and like you said, starting to think about um, junior campaigns. It seems like I've had a, probably more conversations in the last two to three weeks about uh, around communication and engagement. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, you know, you live in that world much more full-time than I do, but, but to be in that conversation is, is interesting, uh, to see it kind of pop up and I haven't really reflected to see, you know, is that something that comes up this time every year or is there just some other reason that folks are, are thinking that right now? So, yeah, well, uh, I feel like the last couple of years have been like an interesting, and we should do a whole show on this, but like, the impact of technology on yield because yield in the last two years has become like this way, way bigger thing, you know, like the, the melt prevention, I've, I put melt prevention and yield all kind of in the same bucket, especially in the, in this post pandemic world that we have lived in. So it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum, but anyway, we have uh, already we're three minutes in and we are already on a tangent. I don't know how this happens like so quickly, but it does. I live in tangency, whatever that is. That's, <laughs> wow, that's a good I'm, word. <laughs> is it? Uh, is it even a word? That's the real question. Uh, so yes, but that's those are future episodes. We've got an episode today, uh, and I'm excited uh, to have joined in. Amy, you unmute, get ready to dive in. Uh, Amy Maltiotti. Uh, Amy works at UNH, University of New Hampshire. Uh, Amy and I have chatted online over the years. She's been in some of the webinars I've done, maybe four years, five years. It's, it's been a while. Uh, and when Jamie, when you and I were brainstorming months ago, as we were planning this out and thinking about, you know, what are some good topics 
who could we have on? Uh, I, I thought about Amy for a couple of reasons. Um, so Amy is a, is a Salesforce administrator. She's a process analyst um, at UNH. Uh, we'll dive in a little bit at what that means. But one of the things that's intriguing and one of the reasons I wanted to have Amy on is uh, Amy, like me, is not a lifelong career person in technology. Uh, she's worked on the front lines, has had other various roles and has moved into this role. I think that brings a unique experience, a unique understanding to this work. Uh, I think a very important understanding to the work as we as we think about building out, enhancing, and, and using technology in new and different ways to engage and uh, connect with our current or prospective students. So, Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's um, well. I, I why don't I just pause and say, I, I just told everybody about your background and how you've transitioned. So now I'm gonna just throw the spotlight on you uh, and say, describe, take that another level. Tell us a little bit about that transition, some of those roles you've had and how you ended up becoming a Salesforce administrator. Yeah, so I um, I started really in the recruiting athletics side of higher ed. Um, I played volleyball in college myself and went on to coach after I had graduated. Um, and through that really, obviously recruiting and athletics goes hand in hand, but the admissions pieces of those were so important to be able to recruit athletes into a program, grow a program, feeder schools, all of those pieces, which are unique to athletics, but they're not too unique from a higher ed experience. And so as I was looking, um, I was in grad school and looking for other roles, I tended to go more towards that admissions role. Um, relocated a couple times and it brought me up to back up to New Hampshire where I was from and I started um, in an admissions role at Grant State College, um, which is a non-traditional um, online institution um, and through there started an admissions specialist role and then when I left I was the associate director um, of academic advising um, and so I had a full team that worked from prospect to graduation, which is a really unique thing of working that full life cycle of the student and having my team support all of that. Um, and because we use Salesforce, I had to understand technology. I had to understand the data of how it was coming in and how we could use that, how we could um, nurture students better and more effectively and more efficiently. Uh, and having worked in that role and used a, a platform like Salesforce, I thought, how could I could do this for a real job? <laughs> you know, like at that point, I wasn't working face to face with students anymore, anyways. And the systems pieces of it um, really resonated with me. And so I took the leap about a year and a half ago now into uh, a junior admin role. Um, and I've had the fortune of being able to get more Salesforce experience and work with a really strong team that's helped me get to where I am. So uh, speaking of where you are now uh, with the system, it was Granite State a part of the system? Yep, um, so University of System New Hampshire has UNH, um, Granite State College, um, Plymouth State and Keene State. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you were at Granite State, was this current um, mode of CRM support, was it still centralized or did you uh, have your own admin or, or were you your own admin? Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't an admin. We had an admin that supported us in our org um, and the system still, each of the different institutions, we still have our own orgs that we work in. Um, and it's just been more recently that our support um, is now 
connected and that we're all on the same team, but we still have separate orgs that we work from. And there's a primary or multiple primary admins within each org, depending on the size of the school. So, so when you moved to this junior role, were you exclusively supporting Granite State? Were you a part of the central team? Yeah, so when I left GOC, I came to UNH really not knowing any of this was going to happen. Um, I came as a junior admin to UNH's Salesforce team at the time. Um, and it was maybe six months after that, that the, you know, the news and the plans of this merge, our IT department realigning and, and unifying into this enterprise system. Um, that's when I then got to work with my old admin again. So it's, it's been great to work with him again. So, uh, Jamie, I think we've got a theme happening here. Uh, you know, our very first episode, we talked a lot about change and merging uh, mm -hmm. and whether it's institutions merging or just operations within a system of institutions merging. Uh, a lot of change management uh, happening. Yeah, uh, I think we should actually maybe think about a renaming of the show, call it CRM Prov from many to few. So I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's really, that might actually be the title of this this uh, particular episode as we work through that. Um, but Amy, like, tell me, so so just just because I'm still fleshing this out in my head. So you you went, uh, the systems within the, the state of New Hampshire all basically had their own CRM system. And now within the last six months, you're basically collapsing that all into one kind of centralized. I'm kind of curious, like, how far does that centralization go? Does it is it one of those things where, uh, you, the, where you and the team at UNH are really overseeing like the, you know the the big picture, and then at some point it kind of breaks down into like each uh, uh, separate institution being able to kind of create their comflows and and direct their process, or are you giving best practice recommendations kind of through and through, and then helping them uh, you know build as needed from their own system? from their own site, I should say it that way, not system. A, a good question. So our business units are still uh, decentralized. So the admissions at UNH, admissions at Keene, Plymouth, and GSC are all separate. Um, and so uh, just like our orgs that we work in from, from a Salesforce perspective, there's no overlap, there's no integration, there's no connection that exists between those. The only thing that's really connected right now um, is our support. And so our support team, the CRM service line is what our team consists of. There's um, my boss who's one supervisor, and then there's nine of us that sit beneath her in our org chart. And so each of us have a primary institution we work for, so minus you and each, but then we work collaboratively on other schools projects as well. So, um, how far does it go? I don't know. It's still kind of new to us. Um, I it, There's been a lot of change and I'm personally someone that enjoys change. I like the opportunity that comes from it. So um, in our, our CRM service line, I've gone through many different changes and groups condensing and you know whatever language you wanna use, merging. Um, this group has benefited from this. Our CRS, CRM service line is so much stronger because of how closely we work together. Um, we have a Teams channel that we collaborate with on all day. We meet weekly. weekly. Um, there, we all have a, a different um, like specialty or an area of expertise. And so it's especially someone like myself that's new to the tech side, 
I know I have eight people next to me that anytime I need something will help me troubleshoot it or help me figure out a good solution. Um, and that was so attractive to me thinking about moving into um, a role like this. I was excited about coming to UNH because there were four other admins or you know, a combination of a team. Um, and I wanted that at this point in my career. Like I had been on the, the non-tech side, I knew I needed some help and support. And so this just exemplified that. Like I got the UNH group, but I also got really, really bright individuals from other institutions as well. So it's been an awesome experience for me. Yeah, that sounds cool. So you you mentioned your areas of expertise. Uh, you know, you're, you're still learning and growing in Salesforce. Where where is or will your area of expertise fall? Do you? Like? Yeah. So I I'm the only um, I like to refer to myself as non IT person, right? So everyone else on my team has a really strong IT background. They can code in languages and do all these crazy, really cool things that um, are just not native to who I am and what I have been trained to do. And so I bring like the reverse of that, that business side perspective of what are we actually going to do with these tools? How are we going to use them? Um, how does this impact student experience? And like that whole lens of being in admissions, recruiting, advising that isn't native to them. So collaboratively, we're really strong because we don't always need our business unit to define something or translate something. I can do a little bit of both of those. Um, I also oversaw our ComClose when I was at GSC and did a lot of nurturing outreach pieces, um, conversion pieces. And so that's definitely where I sit on our team, any type of reporting. Um, we're trying to do this or we're trying to improve this piece. That's an area where I typically will step in. Um, a lot of front facing pieces, either with our clients or students is where I tend and um, especially around email. I do a lot of Comflow work of best practices, how to use CRM data to really be personalized. Um, so I tend to sit in that like front funnel, yeah. <laughs> front funnel piece and how we use our CRM to improve that. Yeah, well, that really does connect to what we were seeing initially, Jamie, right? It uh, does. Communications. Yeah. I'm just going to go with a little story here, a story time with Jamie. Play, cue the music, Daniel. Yes. Um, <laughs> I had in my second role in admissions at this uh, private Catholic institution, I had a, a re former recruiter turned uh, our CRM administrator. So we used Genzibar at the time, which is an ind indicator of how small the school was. But, um, but I found that to be such an unbelievably powerful role. Cause like you were talking about Amy, like having that person who understands like the real needs, like what are the you know, what reports are going to make the most sense? Which data points are the ones that we're going to rely on? I thought that was like, it, it helped our process so much. And Brian, if you're listening, I loved working with you. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that speaks volumes to really being able to put some flesh on the tools, right? Like Salesforce is an unbelievable tool, but if you don't necessarily know how to translate the use of that, then it's like, you know, we, everyone loses. So I think you're bringing a, an incredible dimension to that. So uh, silent clap for you. <laughs> hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Verity. Verity just launched their brand new student information system called Verity Student. Verity Student is everything you wish you had in your student information system and then some. 
Verity Student combines top-notch, unparalleled compliance and efficiency-boosting processes with the best communication features built into one single platform. Verity Student streamlines academic tracking, document management with an electronic signature, and a built-in powerful contact center with multi-channel communication. The unfortunate complications that human errors prevent are virtually eliminated with their improved process workflow automation that paves the way for data and reporting that you can actually count on. It's the most efficient recruiting, enrollment, and retention process that you have ever seen. Get more than you have with less strain on your budget with Verity Student. Experience the cost efficiencies that their all-inclusive tool provides compared to other, more expensive tools with less functionality. The unified pricing includes a multi-channel communication hub at a fraction of the amount that you'd pay for multiple systems. Say goodbye to inefficiency. Say goodbye to disjointed communications. Say goodbye to Excel when you say hello to Verity Student. At Verity, they only know one direction and one speed. Always forward and always fast. Harness the power of one with Verity Student. Request a behind-the-scenes look at their new student information system, Verity Student, at meetverity.com. Again, that's meetverity.com. So I, so I also know with Salesforce, because it's such a, a big and powerful platform, Salesforce in itself doesn't really do the communication piece. There mm-hmm. are components that you add in to make the communication work beautifully. Uh, so what types of tools are you using to, to make that happen with your communication? So... Um... There's two main tools that we're using from a recruiting admissions point of view. Um, TargetX email, uh, most of the schools are using, and if they're not using that, they're using Marketing Cloud. Okay, yep. So uh, anyone listening not familiar, TargetX, uh, CRM vendor managed package. So they offer a full-fledged CRM sits uh, within the Salesforce platform uh, and everything's built up for you. Marketing Cloud, Salesforce-owned marketing product um, a, a very robust marketing and communications piece in itself. So um, tell us a little bit about how you're using those two types of tools differently. Yeah, so I don't actually touch Marketing Cloud at all. We have a separate admin that oversees that. Um, it's a very robust tool. Like you said, it also requires a different level of training, like your normal business user um, it, and admin. It's a different skill set, right? It's a different layer of complexity. Um, so that one, I can't speak to too much um, just because I don't work with it very much or at all, really. Um, Target's email is we're at all the different schools. Um, UNH is only using Salesforce for admissions and recruiting, whereas Granite State uses it full funnel. And so when you think about email from an admissions recruiting perspective, Um, It's very different than retention and all of those added pieces down the line, but we're using it in a similar way in that um, there's many different types of campaigns. Um, They're all of some type of drip campaign and where we're either um, campaigning off an action or campaigning off an indicator in the CRM to put them down one com flow or another. Um, And the other somewhat unique thing about UNH is we have a lot of different types of units that are in there. And so our undergrad has their own world, essentially. We have different record types that distinguishes the two. Um, Their complos are obviously much more cyclical. They're looking at a full recruiting cycle, whereas our grad school, um, they're decentralized. And so all of the colleges use different 
communication strategies, different marketing strategies to get students in, and their complos are just as representative of that difference. Some of them are really fast paced, high touch, some of them are lower, some of them are more personalized. Um, and we also have our law school, UNH law school um, that uses it as well. And so when you think of JD prospects versus an LLM or a grad cert, those are very different populations to nurture. Um, and we're using TargetX email for all of that. And it's really our reports and the logic in our reports and um, the types of messages, the timing of messages that allow that same tool to fulfill all of those different populations. Is there, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, is there a, a particular flow, com flow or just stream or even an individual message, something that you're like super proud of or like, oh, this one was, I love putting this one together. Or I really like the idea of nurturing this subset of the population, something, any of those that stand out? So in my role now, I'm not really responsible for content in any way. Yeah. I don't do, um, I don't do any of that. So I really help from a technical standpoint yep. of what are you trying to do and how can we get your report to help you do that? Um, in my previous role, I definitely did more of that. And, and that's where that, like, it's hard sometimes to make that distinction of mm -hmm. what's best practice. I was someone for years that listened to your webinars and many, many people like yourself that put out best practices. Um, I know Zach always put out a ton of content that I would watch and learn from. And so this is this is probably the interesting part of my role that's hard is I was at a pretty high level of understanding email marketing and strengths and strategies. And now I don't do that in my role. Like there is somewhat of a division of the business creating strategy and content. And I can help from a technical standpoint. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't know if I can speak to what Comflow works best for them. I've been working a lot with them about being more personalized. Like how can we use an indicator that you have on your record to do something or not do something? How yeah. can we take an immediate action of opening or reading or depositing or inquiring and making our outreach real time? And so do we schedule the campaign to run multiple times a day? Or do we send this off a trigger and send this through a daily campaign? Or like using the strategies behind how to email from a CRM um, versus telling them what to say, when to say it. Yep. Well, so I like that. And, and I would say when you look at, you know, best practice, uh, I, I, I'm always hesitant with the word best. Um, um, and I interpret it a little differently than others. Best means there's, you're almost unique and uh, that you're doing it. And really today's best practice should be tomorrow's current practice. And we're always working to create tomorrow's best practice realistically. But anyway, so, so aside from that weird interpretation, um, you know, when you, when you, I, I think that that immediate action and basing it on action in action, that, that really should be uh, intermediate level current practice. Uh, of use. Uh, and so I'm, I like hearing you say that because that's, that's what I want to see schools doing. You know, when you, we're always five years behind in this industry of what, you know, some of the bigger businesses are doing and you think about how they communicate and, um, and whether it's seeing what ads pop up uh, for me or uh, seeing, you know, what type of communication I'm getting based on, you know, I'm, uh, let's just say that. I was looking at some trucks. All right, let's just be real. I was looking at some trucks online and now all of a sudden I can't do anything. Can't go anywhere. Hulu, YouTube, my email without seeing forward. 
advertise and I was not looking at Ford, but that's, they're all on me. Um, I also have found Target X has been um, all pop it up everywhere because I've been on their site looking at webinars and things that they have and checking out what's what's new with their site. And now I'm seeing a lot of that pop up. And, and you know, that's that's at the top end of the funnel. And, and as you think about people converting and getting information in the CRM, it's, it's taking other actions like getting to a website or clicking on an email, attending an event, um, or just registering for an event, and then having a series of communication uh, yeah. from that. So uh, super cool. Uh, Jamie, yeah, and, I, and I think this is like one of those, you know, you, what you hit on, Amy, is really like that movement that we have seen, you know, like there has been a, a pretty steady stream. So I was glad that you said it because I was actually going to ask you a question about like, how are you using Salesforce to personalize? And you actually, you, you beat me to it. So like, I think we've seen this as a, as a common thread and and be, I would say it's becoming current practice, uh, especially for schools that are, you know, really have their game on of, you know, how do you use those those triggers? How do we use things like, um, you know, whether it's like jumping, jumping a flow in order to get them to where they want to be because they're all over your website and you're tracking, you know, all of their movements and really just understanding like, what are the depths of where they are and it's in some cases, it's really like, how do you read between the lines and maximize the technology that you have in order to get students like to the place in the communication where they want to be instead of maybe where they are, right? Because it's like, we have to jump these lines. Like the students are jumping lines because they're, you know, I mentioned at the top of the, at the, at the beginning of the show here, like, sorry for those students that didn't those, those juniors that didn't get out in front of things or the seniors, but like, in truth, like a lot of students start this process later than they ever have. And with the same expectation of like, not only maybe getting information, but getting like from zero to from, 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 uh, from suspect to deposit in a matter of potentially, you know, 60 days, as opposed to what it used to be was six months. So, yeah more when you look at like I work a lot with our grad school and so many grad students are stealth apps so it's like you don't even have that nurture time anymore you don't have that inquiry to work and like convince them why they should take all these steps and like all the content that you have about why you're so great and why they should come they don't even need that anymore which is so weird I feel like three four years ago that wasn't the case or maybe we just didn't have the data to back it up I don't know but um the number of stealth apps that come through, I think it's, don't quote me here, it's 70 or 80%, I think, oh. um, at the grad level that you almost have to re-convince them once they've already applied as to why they should now accept. And it's that whole like early front frontal prospect piece that now sits on top of application as well. And using the data to make sure you, you're probably your value propositions are probably the same, right? Sure. They are not changing that much that so you need to make sure to have the data and not retarget that same prospect with the same piece, but you don't want to miss that message to stealth that. So I don't know how you do that without a CRM. I've been fortunate that all the schools I've worked at has had a robust CRM yeah. and platform to be able to, to maneuver that message through the funnel appropriately, but um, it's definitely an interesting... Uh, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that is, is sticks out to me as you as you talk about this because that's a that's that's a big challenge. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, when, you, when you've got that number of folks that are entering your system without you knowing it uh, until they're that far along in the process. Um, but you also, I think, mentioned earlier with your grad program specifically that it's a decentralized model. Um, and so it's, it, it's maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this, but usually with decentralized models, um, you can't just roll out that same level or intensity of campaign. Uh, there's going to be various interests. There's not a single person to help coordinate and, and push um, to get that message or that that strategy uh, happening. So, how how has that impacted you, if, if at all? Yeah. So we're decentralized uh, from a from UNH grad perspective, but we use the same system. And there's been a really huge effort in the last year to standardize data. And so when, even though they're decentralized, there is still a Dean of Graduate School that, you know, may not fully own all those numbers, but definitely is responsible for them. And there's recruiting staff that may or may not sit within the college, or they may sit within grad school, in the graduate school. So getting all of those different people using the same um, inquiry form, using the same definitions of data, using the same, um, Times for you know their their conflows are very different, but how they put information in the CRM, where they put it in, in the last year we have standardized to a point where we can now look and say the student first came in from this program and then changed interest in that program, and because of that, depending on where they are in the funnel, they may no longer get communication from that first inquiry. They may get only information from the second inquiry, and we've put a lot of rules around what updates, and we use a separate inquiry object just from a clarification standpoint, um, what uh, defines an open inquiry still, how do we close it, when do we close it, and we've just now rolled out a conversion, um, like a connection between the application object and an inquiry object, and so we can see when they start an app, when they decision on an app, when they, any of that change that they're making on an app within that college's recruiting department, so to say, we now have those records updating automatically. So yes, they're decentralized, but I think when I think decentralized, I think nobody's talking. <laughs> you know, there isn't that, there isn't that um, communication. That might be the rest of the university. Yeah. <laughs> um, from an admissions recruiting department, you know, they meet weekly still, and, and they do have a lot of cross-functional work, even though they may not report to the same person. So to answer your question, how do we do that? I think collaboration is what gets us there and, and moving towards, we don't all have to say the same thing at the same time, but we need to define this field as the same thing. And you may need a separate field, but this one means this thing for every grad student. Um, getting to that one version of the truth has been really, really important for God. That's an interesting uh, way to way to capture that, like that, that single form, because I feel like, you know, in my dream world of like interacting, you know, uh, both in my previous role and now like, we get the opportunity to interact with lots of different CRMs and lots of different like intake methodologies, we'll call them that just, you know, Excel spreadsheets with different, you know, file, file layouts. But it could, just close your eyes for a second and imagine the world where everyone uses the same field name. And even though like there might be a thousand of them, you know, that some you don't use and some you do, but everyone has the same label on it. And how cool would that be to be able to aggregate so much data and be able to cross it from certain systems into other systems? And 
I, I feel like this 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 world that this dream world will one day exist. Well, Amy's <laughs> proof that it does, um, and I think it's making it happen. Yes, that's right, and I think it's it's starting right here. We're, we're demonstrating the value of the why we do that. Yeah, uh, and and that is taking it to that next level. And and even if we're going to this thing, we don't know what the next level is, but we're going to another one, uh, yeah. and and putting that place. But a lot of that can't happen without some form of standardization. And, and, if, and if nothing else from this, what I really want to, I, I hope listeners are taking home is that you've done this while allowing the decentralized model to continue, while allowing that individual uniqueness from all of these various programs, because that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest hurdles um, I face when I'm working with, with an institution that's what it doesn't even have to be decentralized, but but coming to that standard way we define a field, how it's used, if it's a pick list or tick, I mean, all these little things, but creating that standard way, and that's I mean that that's a great story um, to hear. Um, you know, as a consultant, you you kind of are in that like consultant like position when you're a central support team for multiple campuses, much less. You know, like multiple units. So this is multiple campuses. So, um, right. So I think that's pretty, pretty powerful to see how you're coming across and finding ways to standardize, but allowing each unit um, to maintain their, their special piece of who they are. Yeah. And I think so much of this is the culture too, of what um, like UNH is working and really system-wide has been really looking at helping empower through lean and the philosophy of lean and really involving the people who do this on a day-to-day basis to say, what's your, what are you doing right now? What do you want to do? How do we get there? And so in our um, process improvement and project management office, I don't, I think they have a new name, so (laughs) I don't know exactly what it is. Um, But that's a ground roots movement to say we have a team of lean practitioners that go out and train anyone at the institution university system that wants to learn about lean. And I'm a lean black belt and that's honestly where I feel so much of movement comes from is I don't work these funnels anymore, right? I don't work these students. So I don't know what's best. In my old role, I knew the data like the back of my hand. I knew what was impacting up and down. And I don't know that anymore. So now I, I'm here to listen, to help understand where are you trying to go? How do we get you there? What may need to be phased? Who do we need to have in the conversation? And it's the idea of, um, empowerment, I feel like our, you know, decentralized units are hard to bring together because there's a lot of voices saying a lot of different things with different goals and strategies. And so being able to find that like line that totes us all together where we're all trying to go, that's where I feel like we've gained movement. It's we're okay to change because we know we all want to go to the same place. Um, The culture of UNH is really trying to get that mindset that change can be good. There's opportunity in change. Uh, And grad has been an awesome example of that, that we've worked through some hard times, but we're really coming together cross-functionally, you know, college, different colleges, different strategies, uh, different goals to try to say data at the end of the day needs to tell one story. Right. No matter what you do with it, we have to have our dean of the grad school be able to pull a report up and say, this is how many people we have. Whatever you call them in your college, 
is okay. But this is how we're defining a person in Salesforce. Yeah. Um, that's so I think that's that a cool. has a lot to do with it. That's a cool way of putting it. You uh, you have restored my hope in, in big process. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that, that's an awesome story. And, and, and I'd say kudos to UNH for really having the fortitude to kind of forge that path and to give that, you know, to empower, uh, it's kind of this, this paradoxical empowerment where it's, you know, the, the decentralized system has its own personhood still yet there's this bigger picture. So I think that's, that's like super cool. I think. I agree. And I think we actually just, that's the name of this episode, telling the story with data, right? That's, um, at least in my mind, that's what I, when I heard it, it's like, oh, that's the story right there. That's, that's, uh, we were just talking about how do we name this episode? That's it right here. Um, I think it's a good place to pause. Um, yeah. We could, we could, I know we could talk for another hour on this easy, um, quickly. I, we could talk and it'll be an hour. We won't even know it, but uh, <laughs> But I know folks uh, at home or at work listening, um, you know, lunch break's ending, dinner's about ready, something's happening in your, and we want to respect that as well. Uh, Amy, thank you for joining us, uh, for sharing your story. Um, very impressive. You're doing some really good work. And I, I love just seeing your path as you continue to grow on, on the platform. Super awesome. Yeah. Thank and you it's so much. Yeah. Amy, good, good for me to meet you too. I'd like to uh, someday have you back on the on the podcast, and we'll talk about uh, your like what integrations and uh, APIs and things like that you're building into Salesforce to kind of augment technology that's not native to that platform. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not our integrations person, but maybe someone can join me. Yeah. Well, you can bring a friend. Okay. <laughs> I do just want to say I, I feel, I would feel remiss without saying how much I appreciate everyone who's helped me get here. It's a big jump to go from the non-IT side to the IT side. Um, and so I, I feel very fortunate that I get to work with the team I do um, at the institution that I'm at um, and be able to work with my old colleagues at, back at GSC still as well. So I appreciate the opportunity to come. Awesome. Thank you. Well, until next time, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as Jamie, Amy, and I have, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.